With you as the lizards and me as the birds, we'd be unstoppable. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 22. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we bask in the glow of four days of gaming at the Who's Turn Con right in our own backyard. Mamie, I've got my mind on gaming and gaming on my mind. I am sure you do. I love that phrase, basking in the glow. I think that's that's pretty accurate for what we're feeling after our last few days at Whose Turn. Yeah, my BG Stats app is on fire. <laughs> They're probably wondering, it's like when your credit card sends you a, is this really you alert? I think that's what's going on with your... <laughs> Did you really play this game? <laughs> <laughs> Did you really play this many games? Yeah, but we are alluding to the fact that this past weekend was the Whose Turn Con right here in our hometown of Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, Whose Turn is um, a con that we attended for the first time last year. We kind of found out about it very last minute and got in on it, and it was amazing. And so we were super excited to be able to return this year. Yeah, and the best part for us, besides all the gaming, is it it really is right here in our own backyard, 15 minutes from our house. And it's in the Durham Convention Center, and that's just a really great part of town with awesome restaurants and coffee and bars and pubs right there within walking distance. Uh, one thing that I enjoyed last year and this year was not just the the great gaming, but the fact that then, you know, we could walk outside with, with some friends and grab a great lunch or dinner or, or a beer or something like that. And uh, that just added the, to the experience. Yeah. And we definitely did all of those things. I mean, it's interesting. Some of our friends that we've gamed with quite a bit this year, we actually met at Who's Turn last year. So it's, you know, a great way to meet new gamers in our area. We also brought some of our friends this year. So it was their first con. And it was just a blast. You know, I only wish I could have been there more. I was able to take off Thursday, um, but had to work on Friday and half a day on Saturday and get the kids to and from babysitters. But it was it was a blast when I was there. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have gone. This is really <laughs> one of the busiest times of work for me. But um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet. And I worked today is Sunday. I worked quite a bit today to make up for um, taking Thursday and Friday off, but totally worth it. And you talked about you know, some friends that we we met last year and that we took with us. I think this year the con it's it's I think it's steadily grown each year. There were about I think there were last year about 300 350 people about 400 people this year and you're right at least a couple people we brought um, for the first time so fun to see uh, that excitement around gaming growing right here in our little part of the world I definitely think it's a growing pastime but before we get too much into gaming let's talk about our other pastime uh, what do you think about this wine that you have tonight well, I can see from the bottle that I'm excited about this. It looks like it's a really fancy bottle. This looks super, super expensive. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> we uh, may be starting a new trend in our wine. I have another bottle tonight that I think you're actually going to really like. Well, it says uh, two of my favorite words, Cabernet Sauvignon. I did pick this one out because it was the best wine with the most discount. That is kind of my go-to strategy. But there you go. This is a 2016 Sterling Vintners Collection Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa. Sterling is actually one of the better known wineries in Napa, and for good reason. They've kind of consistently produced quality wine. And it, their slogan, I love their slogan because, you know, their name is Sterling. Their slogan is always polished, never dull. 
That is what sterling means as an adjective. Exactly. And I'll say the label has sort of a silvery uh, sheen to it. That's right. Do you think the wine lives up to that? Uh, yeah, this is this is really tasty. I think it has all the features that I'm usually looking for in a cab. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fruity and, and bold and very, uh, very pleasant. Maybe it makes uh, returning from whose turn and coming back to real life just a little bit easier. Yeah, why not enjoy this nice bottle of wine on a Sunday night before we have to transition back into the real world <laughs> um, tomorrow? Thanks for picking this up. It's quite good. So what we're going to do today, we're not reviewing a game. We're just going to talk about a lot of games that we enjoyed over the last few days at the Who's Turn Con. Sound good? Sounds good to me. So I had to get the kids to school on Thursday morning, but rushed straight over to the convention center after dropping them off because Josh had arranged to teach a game of dominant species with six. Um, This is a game we've talked about quite a bit. It's a worker placement battle for survival um, between species as the ice age is approaching. And it was one that almost made my favorites list, but I had only played it once. So I didn't feel like I could put it on the list, but after that second playthrough, I'm definitely sold on it. I think six players may be kind of the most fun because there's definitely sort of a scarcity that happens when there's six, and it leads to a lot of complex decision-making. Plus, we got to meet new friends, so it was a blast. Yeah, you know, that was one thing that I loved about um, the con last year was being my first con and not knowing a lot of people. There were quite a few folks who had signed up to do scheduled teaching games, and that was a great way to kind of dip your toes in and to get going with the con, knowing that you could count on playing uh, a game that you were excited about. And so I decided to give back under that vein by doing a teaching game of one of my favorites, Dominant Species. And you're right, so fun to play that with the full complement of six players because each of those animal classes has its own unique ability and and really this game is all about the interaction with players so um, having all those players there battling for for resources and messing with each other's stuff uh, is just really maximal fun um, and it was a great group it was a lot of, a lot of fun and neither of us won uh, no, but, but we, we had fun. We both had heartbreaking, crushing defeats uh, in different ways. Yeah, I think both of us, they were due to a mistake that we made. Like one mistake. Yeah, but you know, that's how that game yeah, is. Yeah, it you is. Know? And, and maybe it's like real life. <laughs> if your species accidentally runs towards the ice instead of away from it, you're in trouble. One bad decision separates you from victory and destruction. That sounds about right. Um, another game that I got to play later in the day was a new one to me, and that was the game Concordia. And so Concordia is really, when you look at it, <laughs> actually joked, we sat down, and this was another learning game, but one that I had, uh, a friend, a friend Megan had signed up for, so they had an extra spot. So I decided to sit in, and you open it up, and there is a very familiar map of Italy in the Mediterranean. <laughs> so I said, oh, what's this, a game about trading in the Mediterranean? And that's exactly yes. what it's about. <laughs> so it says Euro game as it gets. But I had a really great time. And this apparently was the salsa expansion of Concordia Ooh. that we played. Um, and Did I you learned, have to dance? Well, I learned that salsa, well, I, I was actually thinking like pico de gallo or something. <laughs> oh. But apparently salsa is Italian for salt. So, oh, interesting. So Concordia salsa um, apparently adds the extra resource of salt to the game, which was not present in the base game. so And salt is like a wild 
resource. Having not played the base game, I don't know what it's like without the salt, but um, but basically, you know, it's a game where you've got some some little dudes and boats on your map, and you move around to different cities, and you build your houses, and you obviously get some points. Um, that's very similar to a lot of games, but one thing that I thought was really interesting about this game, uh, but the thing that I thought was really cool was the deck building part of it, and how that was directly related to scoring. So all the actions you did were these cards, and you could um, gain additional cards to do more actions, but then also that was directly tied to the way you scored, the types of cards you brought into your hand impacted how you scored at the end. I have not played a game like that. Um, I found it to be uh, really cool, but... I do like deck building, so maybe we'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I really enjoyed playing it. I would totally play again. I don't know if it's a game that I would want to add to my collection, because as you know, Mamie, trying to be a little more... Um, Let's check in on that. So as you may remember from our last episode, Josh said that he could maybe buy no new games in 2019. We are now three weeks into 2019. Almost four weeks. Almost four weeks. And how many new games do we have? We may have purchased one new game. And? And one expansion. (laughs) Uh, I didn't think the expansion counted, um, uh, but we'll talk about both of those in just a little bit. They are good games. It's it's tough. How about that? So we'll keep you in suspense. Um, As you're listening, see if you can guess what new game I may have broken my rule and purchased um, already in 2019. And we'll talk about it in about 10 minutes. But you think Concordia wouldn't make the cut? I don't think so. Okay, not worth breaking it. I have a lot of games about trading in the Mediterranean. (laughs) All right, so what about Space Base? So I didn't play Space Base, but I heard you talk about it a lot. Yes, it's funny. This was a game that, this was not the first time I played it. Um, I played it once at JoshCon back in the mountains over the summer and, and it was okay. I had an okay time with it, but I realized that the last time I played it, it was A, right after we had finished a brain-burning game of Guy Project, and B, I think it was at least one or two in the morning. <laughs> so <that laughs> Maybe may, not the best experience. That may have clouded my opinion a little bit. So there was actually a space-based tournament going on um, as part of the con, which I did not get into um, because I didn't think I liked space-based. Uh, but our, our good friend Dave, um, who we met at the con last year, he he was in the space base tournament and he was talking to me about it and so um, I actually got to play. Actually, it's funny. I closed out both uh, Thursday and Friday night of the con playing space base with Dave and Jenny um, and had a great time. It's actually a fun fact. I think I've now played space base uh, three or four times, but never prior to ten thirty p.m. <laughs> it's a late night <laughs> I, game, I, I guess. I guess it is. But uh, maybe uh, space base. Um, there's a lot of similarities to Machi Koro. Oh, you don't love Machi Koro. I don't love Machi Koro, you know, but um, that's what's surprising to me about Space Base is I feel like a lot of the infuriating parts of Machi Koro have somehow been morphed into fun parts of Space Base. So, you know, you really are building your engine and kind of upgrading um, your ships so that better and better things happen if a two is rolled or a three or 11 or 12. And I don't know, it's just, it feels like it moves quicker. I will say I completely love the art and styling of Machi Koro, 100% more than Space Base, but oh, interesting. Uh, Space Base, way, way, way more fun, in my opinion. Another game that I 
got a chance to play just once um, was this game Trellis, which is a 2018 game, and it was part of the play to win table. So one of the things they do at Who's Turn is they have a table full of games, and every time you play them, you get entered in a drawing to win those games. Um, and so we try to grab as many of those and try them as we can. And Trellis was, I was immediately drawn to the box because it's just a really simple dark background with vines and the title. And it's a pretty simple game. It's a tile placement game. You're trying to connect vines. And when you connect vines of the same color, you get to place flat these really cute little flower meeples on them. We only played one quick game, but what leapt out at me right away was kind of that pretty artwork. And it's, it's really sort of zen. You know, you're just placing a tile, getting a flower or two or not. I definitely think I need to play it a few more times before I understand the strategy. But luckily... Our friend Jenny, uh, who I think might have been the person that played it the most times, actually won that play-to-win game. So hopefully get, we'll get to play that one again soon. Yeah, I think she really enjoyed that game. I was really happy to see uh, she actually won. Yeah. That was cool. Uh, one thing I will say about Trellis, um, so they had this whole table of play-to-win games. And so I remember the first day I was looking at the, at the games, and Trellis was the one that jumped out at me from that box looks like a game I would like to yeah, play. Yeah, definitely. The rule book was awful. Oh, really? I say, <laughs> I sat down. You had already wrestled oh, through it goodness. before I sat down to uh, play with you. Yeah, I think it was a, a situation where the authors really tried to make it as streamlined and simple as possible. It was only like two or three pages. Almost incomprehensible. <laughs> It was almost too simple. It's like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Uh, but we figured it out and, and had a good time playing Trellis. A game on the complete opposite end of the spectrum was a game that I got to play on Friday morning, first thing. And this was one that I signed up for a learning game. And, and I'll go ahead and say the game. It was Sidereal Confluence, Trading and Negotiation in the Elsian Quadrant. Um, what? Doesn't that sound great? Sounds I, fun, huh? I'm not sure I know what. I know what the word trading and negotiation means. Sidereal confluence? No. No. So this is a game that I had read about and heard about, but had not ever had a chance to play. So I thought, well, what better time to check it out than a learning game at whose turn? So there were six players and none of us had actually played before. And I think what sums this game up the best was the guy who owned the game, Ray. Wait, he owned it and he had never played it before? He said that he had... um, He'd owned the game for a year and a half and had read the rule book several times, but had not <laughs> had an opportunity yet to play it. Um, so let me just tell you a little bit about it. Fascinating game that is absolutely unique from any other game I've played. So, so each player takes on the role of an alien race or faction that has some sort of special ability, but you're all traders. So you're trying to trade all these different types of goods to try to gain the most victory points. So is this an economic game? Yeah, I would say it is. I know you enjoy an economic game. Uh, but the thing that's fascinating about it is there's no money involved. Um, so so in the middle of the table, so you're all sitting around the table, and you've all got your little thing that tells you about your specific faction or race. Um, and there are these technologies you have. And what these technologies do is they convert resources from one type to other types. And so in the middle of the table is just this giant pile of resources that are uh, represented by three or four colors of small cubes, three or four colors of big cubes, these little uh, hexagonal cylinders, and some ships. And so then your technologies in front of you, they do things like 
convert two small brown cubes into a large blue cube, a large white cube, and a cylinder or something like that. So you got a bunch of these. So what you're doing for the most part is can upgrade these technologies using different cubes. And then there's just a trading phase. The bulk of the game is just trading. You kind of look around at what cubes people have that they've produced with their technology and say, uh, hey, uh, I'll give you two. You got uh, three large black cubes over there. I'll give you a blue cube and a cylinder for that. And then and you just do this. And it, everybody's doing it at the same everybody's time. Everybody's doing it at the same time. And, and one thing to, to give a little bit of method to the madness um, on everybody's little, um, everybody has a little cheat sheet where the game lays out the general um, value of each of the resources. So for example, three of the small cubes are approximately equal in value to two of the big cubes, which are equal in value to one of the cylinders, which is equal in value to one victory point. And so that's sort of your starting place for negotiation. But as the game moves on, so there's six rounds. So as the game moves on though, there's certain bonus cards with technologies that might might make certain resources much more useful to you because you can convert them into greater number of victory points that might be totally different from someone else. So it's really just this sandbox trading economic get fascinating. That's game. kind of fun. I mean, I like the negotiation and the open trading that, you know, that happens sometimes in games like Catan where you're, you know, trading wood for sheep, but it sounds like in this game it's much more an intense part of the gameplay. Yeah, and so, you know, I think some of so this game plays up to nine players, which oh I think my gosh. <laughs> would be absolutely bananas. How many uh, of you were playing? We had six. Okay. Um and and again, keep in mind each race has its own unique flavor and ability um, that range in complexity. So each one's given a different complexity level. Mine was a three out of, I don't know what it goes up to. But like, for example, one of the things that my race could do is I had these little acknowledgement tokens. So as part of a trade, I could throw in and say, well, I'll trade you this, but uh, I'm going to include one of these acknowledgement tokens. And so if someone took one of my acknowledgement tokens as part of the trade, and then they upgraded or developed a technology I would get a victory point. Oh, interesting. And so that sort of factory, but then everybody had these sort of unique little tweaks. And this is the thing that's crazy. Part of the negotiation too could be, you could let people borrow your technology for a round to oh, use wow. it. <laughs> right? How, uh, but then how, they would long, give it back. how and, long was the game? Uh, it took us a little under three hours. So okay. I would say the teaching, uh, I didn't start the timer. The, you know, the teaching probably took 30 minutes as okay. we were kind of working through it. Um, but then the gameplay itself, even with a couple bathroom breaks and coffee breaks, um, was a little bit under like 2.45, 2 hours and 45 minutes. Okay. So um, but yeah, really, really, really interesting game. It was, this would not be a an after Thanksgiving with the family <laughs> game. <laughs> but it sounds like something our game group would really enjoy. I think so. You know, I think it's one of those things I see why, you know, I see why it would be hard to get to the table maybe because it plays really well. I with think more best players. with more players, but you have to have the right players <laughs> to play it. People right. who are willing to get past the, this looks nuts um, aspect of it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that-, but that was sidereal confluence. Um, Really, really interesting experience. You know, one of the games that we saw a lot on a lot of tables all over the con, which is no surprise, was Wingspan. Speaking of games that Josh purchased, 
If you guessed Wingspan as you were correct. the game that I broke my pledge and purchased uh, in 2019, you're correct. I have to be honest. I'm really glad that he broke it for Wingspan. It's quickly becoming one of our favorite games. I don't want to go too much in depth because, spoiler alert, we're actually going to talk about Wingspan on our next episode in more depth. But we've played a couple of times, and then at the con, we were able to bring in some new friends and teach it to them. And this is a awesome action selection game with beautiful artwork. I love all the cards and all the little birds. Um, each card is unique and has a unique bird on it. And along with the information you need to play the game, there's a little description and a little fact about the different birds. And I tend to get caught up in reading those. I don't know that you've read any of them, but it's, it's quickly becoming one of our very favorite games. Yeah, no, we have we've probably played that one the most since the, in twenty nineteen for uh, sure since the the last episode, and I would say, and I I don't think I'm over exaggerating, but I think at any point during the four days of the Who's Turn Con, you could walk through the convention space and see no fewer than five games of Wingspan going. Yeah, it was on a lot of tables. Yeah, it was by far the most played game. It reminded me, I think last year. Azul was probably that game a year ago, but Wingspan was everywhere. And for good reason. I mean, it is, it's a great game. Yeah, it's great. So I think we will, we will save much discussion about that game. I know there's so much I could say. Yeah. Yeah. So, so teaser there. If you want to hear more about Wingspan, come uh, back back in two weeks and we'll talk more about it. Uh, So, so one thing I got a chance to do uh, a few episodes back, Mamie, we talked about Keyforge, which is not our general cup of tea. No. Maybe still not your cup of tea. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm still undecided. Well, I think we had mentioned on one of the on that episode that we had some interest in possibly um, you know doing some competitive play, maybe play in a, in a little KeyForge tournament because you know as many collectible card games, uh, there tends to be sort of a competition scene for for the game. So at whose turn, I noticed someone was running. Uh, actually, there were a couple different KeyForge tournaments, but one that interested me was a sealed deck tournament. So it was open to eight players, and you paid 10 bucks, and there were eight brand new decks. And so there were four people on each side of the table. And so what you would do is you would play four games of KeyForge. And so after each game, you would basically get up and move down one seat. So um, you would play each of the decks on your side of the table. And then at the end, um, and as we mentioned, when we talked about Key Forge, the whole goal is to forge three keys. Um, so you would keep track, win or lose, of how many keys you forged. And after your four games with your four different decks, all of the people on your side of the table would add up the number of keys they forged. And then in order of score, you would get to get first, second, third, or fourth choice of a deck to take home with you. Oh, that's super fun. I, that was on Saturday morning, and sadly, I had to go into work because I think I would have enjoyed that. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I will say I enjoyed it. I did not win a single game. You, you, how many keys did you forge? Well, I forged anywhere from zero to two keys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, in my defense, the other side of the table fared way better than my side of the table. Um, I think of the... Um, 16 games? Yeah, out of the 16 different games played, there were only two wins on my side of the table. Oh, wow. Maybe you all just got the short draw when it came to decks. That's what I would like to believe. Yeah, I'm sure that's yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably <laughs> crap decks. Uh, so anyway... We got, got one of those decks at home now. We Well, yeah, I have a deck. Here's the deck. Here's the losing... Here's the last choice of deck. Great! Right, right here. Uh, 
not even any aliens on it, maybe. So, oh, that's good. Uh, but I had a great time. It was really, really great guys. Um, really fun, uh, really fun experience, uh, win or lose. So, uh, so it was neat. I think that's one of the great things about cons is the opportunity to do things like that, right? Like it would be hard to get that together just with our friends. Um, and, you know, playing a game like Dominant Species with six is not an easy thing for us to pull together or an easy thing for us to dedicate the time to. Or a six-player game of sidereal confluence. True, definitely. Not something we would just pull together on a school night. But <laughs> but having that designated time, right, that we've set aside, that we can dive into some of those deeper games, that we can spend doing some things, you know, like that Keyforge tournament. Another really cool experience at Whose Turn was... We played Welcome Two, which is a 2018 kind of flip and write, not roll and write, but flip cards and write uh, game where you're developing a 1950s perfect subdivision. And the way this game works, you have a, a you know tear out sheet of paper that's your subdivision that you're writing on based on the cards that come out, and it truly can be played with anywhere from one to a hundred players. So at whose turn? They had a 30-person game of Welcome To, and it was overwhelming, but it was fun. Yeah, I think it was mostly overwhelming because we, we had never played before, and the cards there were, the, the cards were not broadcast on a screen, uh, but actually through Facebook Live. Yeah, I think if they had been projected on a screen, that would have definitely made it easier. We were trying to watch on our phones, you know on Facebook Live and there were some technical glitches where we weren't sure if we were caught up with the rest of the room and the the room was a little bit noisy with some other games going on. So that definitely, I think, made it a little more challenging, but it was still really a fun game. After that experience, we decided we definitely wanted to play again. So the next day, we broke that game out with five players all at the same table and really, and really enjoyed it. I mean, I think it truly is a game that you can play with anywhere from one player. I mean, I could see playing it by myself just to see if I could improve my score all the way up to, you know, a hundred players. If you had a desire to do that, I don't know that I would, <laughs> but the, the rules uh, are pretty simple. There's not a lot of rules overhead, but the choices in terms of every time the cards are flipped, there's three different things that you could do. And everybody kind of picks something different based on, uh, what they're hoping to accomplish. And everybody is trying to accomplish the same objectives, but the way you prioritize that and the way that you reach those objectives can be different. So really low rules overhead, but a lot of complex choices. And I could see a lot of times that we would get this one on the table. Yeah, I think this would be very approachable and interesting to a lot of different friends. It's just a fun, fun puzzle. It's like taking, um, really taking Yahtzee up 10 levels, yeah. I would say. I uh, may I may have to buy this one, since you can't. Yeah, I can't buy it, so, but nothing's <laughs> stopping you from buying it, that's for sure. I had hoped we would win this one. This was also one of the play-to-win games, but sadly, I don't think we got enough plays in. Yeah. Another fun gaming moment for me was um, was playing Root. And so I think I, we've talked about Root before, but for some reason I've had sort of this... Well, actually, I don't know for some reason. I think... Josh is addicted to Root. Well, ever since the expansion arrived, the Riverfolk expansion, which, again, was does not count as a game purchase because it's an expansion purchase, <laughs> uh, it sort of rekindled my desire to play, play Root. I know we played, not at the con, but we played earlier this week, and I was the lizard cult 
and got trounced. I got pummeled. Um, but, you know, I think it, what it brought up for me is, you know, each of those factions are so different. It's almost like each one is its own puzzle that I just want to figure out. Like, how do you win with this? Like, how do you, how do, you do this one? And, and so I realized, you know, for me, you know, I played the cats, um, played the birds. I don't think I've, I still don't think I've won with the birds. I'm not sure. But the, uh, the vagabond I've played a couple times and, and done pretty well. You're good with the vagabond. Yeah, the vagabond I think is my sweet spot. I played for the first time with the birds actually at the con and it did not go well. The bird was not your sweet it spot. It was not. I had poor <laughs> luck or poor choices. I'm not sure. That's true. You did get some, the birds are kind of beholden to the cards they draw, um, Lizards are too, by the way. Um, to no, a certain I have degree. to try the lizards. Actually, I guess the lizards are beholden to the cards that are discarded by other players, which is almost worse. But anyway, the I had, for whatever reason, had not had many opportunities to play with the Woodland Alliance. And so I got the chance to do that earlier this week and got beaten down pretty badly. So I had a really strong cat. Yeah, you killed us with the cats that game. <laughs> I had it was a really not even strong close. cat game. Yeah, we did. We let you, and you know, in that game, you let it get away from you and you let somebody get a lead and there's no looking back. But ever since then, I was like, ah, oh, I want to try again. I want to try the Woodland Alliance again. So got a great game going. We had our good buddy Jeff who was there uh, at his first con. He was with us. And then Dave again. And... I pulled it out. I finally, yeah. uh, it was a close, tight game. Besides the birds, unfortunately, yeah, were flagging. But between the the cats and the vagabond and the woodland alliance, we were all right there at the end. But I pulled it out. Uh, so fun. I still am just loving yeah. that game. And it is always changing, right? Because there are all those different factions that you can play. And there's, you know, now with the expansion, there's even more. And now there's the mechanical cats what are the what's it called when the cats are oh yeah with the expansion there's the mechanical marquee yeah so now you can play cooperatively everyone against the cats which is i'm excited to try yeah, that'd be great for you and i because root's not necessarily a great two-player one against one game but it'd be fun for us to go against the mechanical with cats. you as the lizards and yeah. me as the birds we'd be unstoppable yeah an unlikely pair really Lizards uh, and birds. <laughs> uh, well, one thing, Mamie, to tell you, um, you probably have not seen this, uh, but just this past week, Leader Games, who makes Root, announced there will be a second expansion to Root coming out, uh, I assume later this year, with two new boards. There will be the Mountain Pass map, um, so you'll be battling for control of some mountain passes, and then the lakeside map, there'll be a big lake Oh, nice. You know, we haven't even tried just using the, the winter board. Winter yeah. board, yeah. yeah. No, we got to try that. Um, but the big news, of course, the reason for our root expansion is the addition of two new factions, the crows and the moles. Oh, interesting. Yeah, apparently the crows are espionage. Oh, I would have thought moles would be espionage. No, no, apparently these crows are about es- espionage uh, and probably similar to... Maybe the Woodland Alliance, they don't have as big of a presence on the board, but they score points somehow by manipulating other players' hands. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but then the moles um, are another, sort of like the cats and birds are about putting lots of dudes on the map um, and controlling clearing. So That sounds right for rodents. We'll be super interested to see what new adorable meeples uh, come out next. That might have to be another purchase in 2019. Yeah. Um, one, one other game that, that I played, you know, it's funny, um, I realized as we were making notes, 
we played a ton of games that came out in 2018, so I think we're really uh, catching up on our games from the last year. Uh, but this is another one that we purchased in 2018, but but more recently got to play, and that was Teotihuacan, or Teotihuacan, or I'm not sure how to say it, but it's a Teotihuacan. <laughs> this game is outstanding. This is everything I love in a game. It's moving a dude around, taking actions, getting points, moving up tracks, there's a pyramid. Uh, there's symbols. I love it. Yes. What do you think about Teotihuacan? So Teotihuacan, it, I'm I'm not going to try to say it, but so yeah, I mean, this is an awesome game. I mean, it's by the same folks that did Zulkin, which is another game that we really enjoy. And I mean, obviously, they have a thing for that Central American society thing because that's definitely what's going on here. You're building the temple to the gods and. I really enjoy the way um, there's interaction in this game in that based on where other players have their pieces placed depends on either how much income you get or how much you have to spend um, to take certain actions. And so there's a lot of kind of interaction there. And again, this is this is a game that we've been playing quite a bit. I'm pretty sure we'll have to talk about it on a show. Absolutely. Yeah, it just feels so fresh. I mean, there's so many games... I mean, geez, how many times have we talked about, and this is an action selection game, and this right. is a worker placement game. And and obviously, we enjoy all of those. We absolutely do. And, and you know, Zulkin and Teotihuacan both do that. You're kind of putting a thing on the map to take an action, but just with that wheel in Zulkin, and then this, the way you, like you said, Mamie, the way your cost to even go there depends on how many different types of workers are there. And then you can like, the fact that your worker is a die that you can then power up by moving it up one pip and then it ascends. That's so cool. Yeah. And then there's a pyramid. A lot of really unique mechanisms going on in both of those games. Yeah, I was was playing this with a couple new folks, um, Heath and Susan, who had not played the game before. And we were about one hour into the game and Susan just immediately goes, I really like this game. (laughs) That's how I felt the first time we played it. Oh yeah, it is. It is good. It's really good. It so is really looking good. forward to playing it more. And, and I, I definitely think we'll talk about it uh, or in a future episode. All right, Mamie. So the last day of the con, towards the end, we had our, our kiddos with us. And um, one thing that was awesome about Whose Turn, uh, big shout out to the organizers who planned some childcare at Whose Turn on Saturday. Amazingly affordable childcare. I cannot thank you enough, whoever was in charge of making that arrangement happen, because our kids were there almost all day, and they had a blast, and it didn't cost us a fortune. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, But one thing that was really cool is towards the end of the day, you know, we had our kids, and the childcare area was like right on the side of the sort of part of the room where the games were being played. But we actually brought our kids out on the main gaming floor, and we were sitting there playing Chicka Pig together, and, you know, just had this this sort of moment thinking like, wow, this is this is really what the future is going to be like. You know, we're sitting here at this gaming con, we're playing games with our kids and having a good time. And I don't know, I just had this moment of, wow, this is really cool. This is really fun. Yeah, I mean, they're really starting to get into some of the more advanced games and, and, and starting to develop some independence and some ability to, you know, enjoy games. And I mean, it is something that's been part of you know, the last couple of years, they've seen us doing it and we've played a lot of games as a family. And so it's becoming part of our family culture. I mean, at one point it was really cute. This little boy ran up to our table and he said, do you want to come play Batman Flux with us? And 
our kids said, sure, and they ran off. And Josh and I looked at each other like, should we be concerned? And so I walked over to see, and they had given up on Flux because I think it was a little too hard, but they were playing Batman Love Letters and having a blast. Yeah, and actually our our kids today, because they knew we had the original Love Letter, and so our kids started playing Love Letter <laughs> together, and they were doing it pretty much correctly. Which is something we would never have thought of breaking out to play with them. Yeah, so it's just been really fun to to also see our kids sort of advance in their own their own gameplay. I personally am looking forward to putting to bed some of these uh, hobby games. And, <laughs> uh, Breaking out some things that are a little more complex. I mean, tonight, so one of the games that um, Josh actually picked up at the, the flea, market. flea market at whose turn was Takinoko. Yeah, I saw Takinoko uh, for 10 bucks. I mean, it's an adorable panda eating bamboo. And so we broke that one out tonight with the kids. And at first, when Josh was explaining it, I was afraid it was going to be a little much for them, but it wasn't. They jumped right in. Yeah, I mean, I felt like we were playing a real game. Yeah, we know, were. With it our was kids. awesome. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And certainly looking forward to, to playing that and chomping some more bamboo uh, in the future. Well, Mamie, we have talked about a lot of games. We've covered a lot of ground. Again, I feel so fortunate that we have such a great gaming con 15 minutes from our house. It's just so amazing. It really is. And you know, one and the last night, and I know they do this uh, on purpose, the um, organizers of another con that's just right down the road in Wilmington, Board Games at the Beach, did kind of a little plug. And Josh and I looked at each other and we're like, can we make that happen in April? We've already bought our tickets for the Dice Tower Con in July. I'm, we're not missing that one. I'm excited about that one. But we might be able to squeeze in one more. Well, I will say that one is put on, uh, organized by Cape Fear Games, and Heath that I alluded to that I played Teotihuacan with um, is the owner of Cape Fear Games, and he did say if I come down to Wilmington, he will give me a free beer from their new gaming cafe there. So, Well, I mean, that sounds like a reason to go to Wilmington. I think it might be. But yeah, special uh, you know, special thanks to Rob Reinhardt, who's the organizer of the Who's Turn Con. Uh, just a really, really great guy and all the work he and his family and all the other folks involved with Who's Turn uh, put in is very much appreciated. And it will certainly be a staple on our calendar um, every January, as long as they keep doing it. Definitely. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine, email us cardboardandwine at gmail.com, or jump into our guild on Board Game Geek. You can see photos of the games we play on our Instagram at Cardboard and Wine. You can leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you, and it will help new listeners find the show. All right, everyone. Until next time. Cheers and happy gaming. gaming.